Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Troy Nunes is an absolute world champion. Wait, no, Argentina's no. Syracuse soccer is technically the world champions because we're the only place that plays college soccer. So uh, if anyone has missed it, Syracuse won the college cup this week. Uh, Here to talk about it with me, among various other, and by various, I mean we've got a lot of Syracuse news to talk about things. Uh, We have Christian DeGuzman, who joins me as always, and uh, someone you guys may or may not actually recognize. (laughs) I think his name is pronounced Andrew Pregler, uh, returning (laughs) from a long hiatus. Uh, Welcome back, Pregs, and yeah, how are we doing, guys? I'm, this is not the week to have had multiple nights out and not really been sober after the hours of five o'clock uh, when you are somebody who needs to be in the know of what's happening at Syracuse uh, because <laughs> this was probably, and I know that we say this every off season that there's like a week where, Oh my gosh, this is the busiest off season week ever. This might have been it in all seriousness because there was the aforementioned national title run, a, Former national title winning coach at Syracuse retired, uh, you know, the normal basketball drama and everything around the football program that basically kept our football Slack channel. Whenever I saw a notification, I was just like, no, I'm just going to skim all this at the end. It's going to be five guys leaving, five guys coming in, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Wait, we have a basketball team still? You know? Does the basketball count if they give up 487 threes per game? Mm. Hmm. Mm. It's it's uh, Schrodinger's Schrodinger's basketball team. <laughs> uh, let's talk med soccer. Uh, they won the national title. Uh, the, the, if you, again, living under rock, you didn't know it. Here are the basics. First time in program history that Syracuse is uh, College Cup champions, a NCAA men's champion in soccer. Absolutely fantastic. Um, 
this team defeated Indiana in penalty shootout. Uh, the go we'll go into that in a little bit. Uh, but I think like off the top, it is very apparent based off of the outpouring that came after this win. Uh, this was not just about this team. This was about Coach Mack and the program that has been built on campus. The uh, Mac has been in college soccer for, I think they said for 15 years, four as a player and 11 at Syracuse. Um, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong there on my he's, math. No, he's 13 at Syracuse, and he, I know he's done a bit more at Hartwick. Yep. So, yeah. so yeah, it's a bit more came, than that. Yeah. Yeah. So it might have been 15 years just coaching, let alone the other four years that he had he had as a player. And no, that just might be as a head coach, Christian, let alone. It was, it was 11 because 2013 was his first year. 2013 was his first year. Oh, okay. okay. My math is wrong. No, wait. So there we go. Everybody's math is wrong. Either yeah, way, he's been right. at Syracuse for a very wrong. long time. <laughs> Whatever. He's, yeah. he's a legendary. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, let's, I think we can start, we'll start with the game and then we'll talk about all the like big legacy stuff and like, what does this mean? Uh, Syracuse got out on the front foot and was leading in this game for a brief moment. And then it just turned into a boxing match where it was one after another um, chances going both ways. To me, this was probably the most exciting game that Syracuse has played all college tournament, just because it, there wasn't weather induced uh, yeah. chaos slash equality. This was two teams that were just really good. And the other thing that I think uh, was mentioned several times on the broadcast, this was the first time that Indiana was really challenged throughout their entire college cup run, at least with a team actually putting balls in the back of the net and forcing Indiana to play a way that they had not played all season. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. I'm just kind of curious. What did you see in that game that really allowed Syracuse to have success against a team that had been so defensively staunch the entire tournament? Um, Nathan Apoku. Yep. Yeah. It, it's a one, one name answer. Uh, Apoku played out of his absolute gourd. Um, between that and Sinclair dusting up anything that was coming towards our defense, uh, I mean, those those two guys stood out to me as having having an absolute match in that title game. Um, Apoku, if you put the ball on anywhere near his feet, it was glued there. There were at least three or four points where he had, and including two goal setups, where he literally had three defenders around him. Uh, yeah, and just they couldn't it, it to to channel um, to channel what we saw today. It was literally like watching a poor man's Leo Messi where, you know, you have guys kind of running around after him like, I want the ball, I want the ball. And they just couldn't couldn't touch him. Uh, it, the the goal he scored was just, you know, stand, stand in traffic. It was it was the soccer equivalent of a fadeaway three with three guys in your face. Like, he, he just dribbles into a tight space, maintains possession, takes a step back and just chip curls the keeper into the top corner. And you're just like, I, the keeper was just standing there. Like there's, uh, there's nothing I can do here. Like, <laughs> what, Remember what do do? the uh, Steph Curry three against the Clippers where he just kind of dribbles around yep. aimlessly for a couple of seconds and then launches <laughs> it up. Right. That's like a step below that on the same level. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, Poku did what he did. Um, the aforementioned Sinclair, after playing a great defensive game all all game, decided to have ice in his veins and uh, put home the winner in the uh, shootout as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's that, that and an entire team effort because 
literally everybody on the pitch was playing out of their mind on both sides. So what you're saying is France would have won if they had Anthony Sinclair on the pitch. Costa Rica might have fared better in the World Cup had they uh, had that they called him true. up. That is very true. So he is a former uh, U17 captain, I believe, for them. Yes, U17 captain. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I think that's. I think not only that was the story of the game, but that's really was that's really been the story of the whole tournament. Is that is that Nathan Opoku really raised his stock in just this tournament? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of yes, he had a lot of great play during the regular season, but the regular season was mainly dominated by Levante Johnson. Um, yeah, and in this and then in this tournament, as teams figured out, let's just shut off the behind lanes for Johnson to run in behind. That set up Opoku to take on defenders, and. It showed off his ball skill on the ball, and it it's really, really hard to find a guy with that size and strength have the dribbling and ball skills that he has. And that's what makes him really, really attractive at the next level, which probably earns him a Generation Adidas contract. I mean, you, like, they don't come that often. <laughs> They yeah. really don't. No, they don't. So, um, if for, um, for those who aren't, yeah. who, for those who are not seeing on the podcast, if you're listening on the podcast and not watching on the live cast, Steve just turned to his DDA drug bud Chelsea shirt that he has hanging on the wall. <laughs> and a, na- a name other players like DDA Drogba. Right. Not that many you can name off the top of your head. No, and Apoku definitely, with this run, like you said, played his way probably into a Genadidas contract. Um, one of, yeah, one of my friends brought up a good point. It will be interesting to see what system he puts in. Uh, he gets yeah. put in because um, he really he work, because it's obvious here that he works really really well in a uh, two striker system mm-hmm. because uh, having guys helping him support when he's drawing defenders in is very very helpful. Right, and we I mean we noticed too during the season when they when they made that shift in the lineup and had Baselli kind of running in behind as well, kind of playing in that pocket, that that even elevated Levante and uh, Nate's games, like the the two of them the 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 combo of those three just worked extremely well, and we know Johnson's gone. Uh, he was a grad transfer from Seattle, um, and then or no, he was a senior, but I don't think he has another year left. Um, and then Apoku is a sophomore, but... Will... Apoku is a sophomore, but that means he's eligible for a Genadidas contract. Right. So uh, do we start the streak back up with Genadidas and uh, just have <laughs> Mac keep throwing people to the pros? Because it's worked. Yeah. And he can. He, we've, we've seen that they can bring transfers in, i.e. those two, three, that... Uh... Of the 400 that they had? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I think I went down through. Um, the, I think later this week you'll see Mike doing a piece on the transfer portal and what Mac has done in the portal, and maybe how we can, you know, adapt that to football or how that's gonna because because the Olympic sport transfer portal has been much more similar to how the current major sport transfer portal works for years. Like they still had to grant a waiver, but they never denied waivers for transfers. Um, I think we'll. I just did up a list uh, for for Mike of all the all the various um, uh, transfers they've had over the years, and it's mildly insane to actually look at who uh, 
who came in. I'm I'm mildly I'm I'm vamping right now to try and find that list. But. No, but I think that this is something that like this is actually a great segue into um, just kind of talking about Mac as a program builder. Like we talk about it all the time when we're talking about the football team or the basketball team that in today's day and age, uh, recruiting is just a battle that our coaching staff is never going to win. <laughs> and the uh, other part of it that I think is a lot of people were hesitant by is that, oh, you're bringing guys, you're not going to have a culture. You know, guys are coming in and coming out so quickly, like there's no there's no stability, there's no continuity. And I think what Mac has shown and what other successful Olympic coaches uh, have shown in this system is that the coach is the culture. The staff is the culture. The system is part of the culture. And it's getting people in to that system and into that environment who can thrive in that space that didn't thrive uh, outside of it. And Mac has done a great job of just identifying talent from a variety of sources, whether it's local soccer elite leagues whether it's guys who did not cut it in an academy and wanted to go to college soccer as like an opportunity to get regular playing time and more experience, whether it's this transfer situation where he's looking at other schools that are not necessarily smaller than Syracuse when it comes to soccer, because college soccer is kind of weird and uh, everybody's kind of small, but it's this opportunity to get guys from like Seattle, uh, out into the ACC and give them a, a bigger platform, a bigger opportunity to shine. It's it's one of these things where you look back on it and it seems chaotic and it seems overwhelming because it is. And the fact that they're able to manage that is a testament to their ability to lead a program in, in that way. And that's not something that anybody can do, as we have seen across so many other sports. Yeah, and to, to take that and turn that into a treble this year is kind of kind of crazy to see um i'm i'm all for uh, well actually yeah i guess we didn't even mention that off the bat this does complete the treble for su they won the acc regular season they won the acc tournament and they won the uh college cup so they haven't lost a game in a good long time and they uh indiana was definitely there were times in that game, specifically in the second half, uh, last 15 minutes or so, I legitimately thought Syrac- if that game had gone on for another five minutes, if stoppage time was a thing, I was legitimately scared that Syracuse was going to lose that game because Indiana seemingly had taken all the momentum and Syracuse had seemingly run out of gas. And then extra time hit, and it it felt like it was a good reset. Like, I don't know what Max said in that huddle. I don't know what was said, but it did feel like the team came out a bit more centered and a lot more organized uh, and was able to, you know, force the game into penalties. Um, but, but Christian, I'm just kind of curious from your perspective there, like, what was the shift in the second half to extra time uh, and like going through pen- and going through the PK setup like that? It really did feel like neither team was going to lose they were both just clicking at a level that uh i didn't really expect but yeah syracuse went into into lead protection road and then unfortunately indiana scored with 10 minutes to go in regulation so they were still set up to be in let's not allow any goals mode and it it worked because you know they they flattened out the midfield they flattened out the back line and it was pure on lead protection and doing what uh, they did best in the 
in the tournament and leading up to the College Cup, which was uh, Attack on the Counter. Uh, Syracuse, you know, you know, you go to the the Penn game, the I mean, the Cornell game, the the UNC game. Uh, you know, Syracuse had shown they were very good on the counter, and while they couldn't find those necessarily towards the end against Indiana, just mainly due to fatigue. Um, like that's how they set up and they created better chances there in the second half in order to, um, in terms of the overtime period in order to, you know, find that second gear. And then they got, uh, and then I think Syracuse gets really lucky in this sense as well, in terms of the rules in college where, you're allowed to just shoehorn any 11 players you want out for the uh, penalty-taking uh, situations. Yeah. Because if that doesn't happen, I don't think, you know, Sy- Syracuse could be in a different position if they're going by traditional uh, soccer rules in terms of who's allowed to take penalties. Yeah, and because of the, the weird stupidity of college substitutions, it uh, they, they, they have to have that in there for, um, I guess, for posterity's sake. I, I really don't know why. But I'm not going to complain because, well, it brought us the natty. Yeah. So, and Russell Shealy uh, came up huge in, uh, well, most of the game. He uh, he had a, he had a couple points where he stood on his head, especially that chip from uh, <laughs> from yeah. forty yards out that he got a finger to. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I I mean he I think did did a Poku get the golden ball. I'm not sure if they gave out like individual like that Golden Bowl award like that, but yeah. he got he got he got most he he got uh, best offensive player. Okay. The best, yeah. the offensive MVP and Chile got the defensive MVP. Okay. So for for all intensive purposes, for all intensive purposes, yes. Um, <laughs> that's what I was I I I, I screwed up the first time because I was trying to uh, screw it up, um, but the uh, yeah we have we have a. Golden, uh, well, and he wasn't golden boot winner, but the the effective golden ball winner yeah. and the effective golden glove winner. So we'll take. I mean, it. if you want a regular season golden ball winner, that might be Levante Johnson. Uh, well, for the ACC, I think it might have been, but uh, for college soccer, it was definitely Duncan McGuire. Well, I'm saying because <laughs> Levante Johnson was named a Mac Herman finalist, also true after the tournament. And I can't remember when that. Uh, January sixth. Is it okay? I know it was beginning of January, but couldn't remember exactly when. Matt Herman, uh, Matt Herman Trophy, for those who aren't aware, is the Heisman of college soccer. Yeah. Yep. The uh, uh, during the broad, sorry, this is not related to Syracuse at all. But during the broadcast, they were showing the the uh, the trophy presentation of I think it might have been cr- during the Creighton game of Creighton's head coach who won the the trophy the year that Alexei Lawless was nominated. Yeah. And uh, yeah. one one of these guys was five looked to be about five foot six you know, striker midfielder type. The other one was a six foot one wild haired Alexi Lawless. And it looked like one of those photo ops that like a player does with like a make a wish kid, except they're both (laughs) two extremely talented soccer players. And I just think about that now whenever the trophy comes up. So just wanted to call that out. So you all have that stuck in your head. Syracuse had to defeat two former Matt Kerman trophy award winners who became coaches in order to win that uh, title because Indiana's coach Todd Yeagley also won. Oh, yeah, we did too. Oh, yeah. I knew Torres yeah. did. Well, yeah, like, like yeah, yeah. Said, no, Todd Yeager but... also won the uh, Mac Herman. Oh, or I think it was the Mac because right. the trophies were split up at uh, before they were reunited. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. That's kind of crazy to think about. 
Yeah. Hmm. Hey, that works. Neat. So. Uh, the in, in general, Steve, uh, you have been covering for Syracuse soccer longer than Christian and I have. Um, not by that much, but but longer yeah. than we have. Um, and you've been here for the entirety of of Coach Mac's career, and I I just feel like this felt like so much of a coronation and so much of a validation to what what he's done. And I guess the big and the, they've been close before. This was the like this no even if they lost this game, this would have been the closest and probably the best team overall that that he has been put together on the hill. Um, but it just kind of felt like in the year that. Tejon and Kamal are starting for Team Canada at the World Cup. Uh, the year that, you know, the Miles uh, had a breakout beginning of the season before he got hurt uh, for the USMNT. It, it just became really apparent that Syracuse soccer is something now. And I guess the question is always like, where do you go from here? But in general, I feel like this puts Syracuse on a different level than it was operating before within the within the ACC. Always kind of felt like we knew that they were good, but nobody else really knew that they were good. I feel like this conversation doesn't necessarily make us North Carolina overnight. But Syracuse is no longer on the outside when talking about ACC powers. Does, does that feel right? Uh, yeah, I think I think it it brings about a little bit of uh, validation to us working ourselves up the pecking order. Um, I, I mean, we're not Virginia, but still, right? So it's you know uh, we're we're not going to be talked about as a blue blood, but we're I think it it adds a little a little panache to the name. Um, yeah, no, it's it's only good things that that can come from it. I mean, it is a national title, and it's something that. Like, uh, CUSE has been a strong program in the ACC since they joined in 2013. Uh, I think it's one of the few teams on the Hill that can say that, uh, which is kind of amazing uh, that they're holding their own in what's largely considered the best or close to the best uh, conference in the country for soccer. So kudos to Mac. And this was definitely, uh, like you said, I've been following him. I, I believe I looked up my first article I ever wrote for noons was reporting Tony Asante's, uh, season ending ACL injury in 2013. So, uh, <laughs> keeping on brand, the first thing I ever wrote about on the site was Syracuse soccer. Uh, here we are almost 10 years later and uh, I'm still writing Syracuse soccer pieces. So they're still doing good things. It seems. And I think you can only say that ACC move has benefited the Syracuse men's soccer and probably three other programs. The cross-country program, the women's lacrosse program, and the field hockey program. Yeah, so that's on brand for the site. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so Noons has officially benefited from the ACC move, no matter what happened to basketball. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, we it would be remiss uh, if we didn't talk about a, one of those programs that Christian mentioned. Uh, the field hockey program is going to be on the lookout for a new head coach as Ange Bradley, uh, NCAA champion winning coach, multiple Final Four participant coach, uh, has officially retired. Uh, she's not leaving Syracuse to go somewhere else. It looks like she's done with her career for the moment. Um, she's officially retiring after this year's team got bounced, I believe in the elite eight. Um, 
I think that's where they got where they lost to. That sounds about right. I remember watching the game, um, but I don't remember what round it was. Uh, so that was also they're gonna on, have to. That was also on penalties. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was. I forgot about that, and yeah. then I remembered. Yeah, I've watched a lot of penalties this year. I think we all have. <laughs> uh, after what happened this morning, yeah, we've definitely watched penalties. Yeah, absolutely insane game. Um, the but congratulations was, to her. Was, congratulations today's to today's was easily the best final since last week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we went a whole six days without a good final. Right. That's what I sh- that's what I should have tweeted. People who are calling this the best of finals ever clearly didn't watch the Syracuse Indiana game. <laughs> <laughs> You're showing your anti college bias here, guys. <laughs> uh, but congrats to Ange. Congrats to the field hockey team. Um, good luck. We'll keep, you know, pay attention to the site. We'll definitely have news on whatever, uh, hiring practices happen next. But again, uh, something that we had kind of tossed around in the slack that I think is, is interesting. I wonder if Syracuse tries to find a way to, um, create something, whether it's a ring of honor or whatever for these Olympic coaches, like obviously the Olympic athletes that go above and beyond ring of honor is on, is on the table for them. But I don't know if the coaches are. So somebody like Max, somebody like Bradley, um, who have won multiple ACC and Big East titles, who have won uh, national championships for both of them, which were the first in the program's history, respectively. Uh, I feel like there's got to be something that comes with the idea of like, uh, there's got to be some kind of recognition for them, especially as they uh, continue. In the case of Bradley, you know, she's done coaching. And with Mac... You, you hope that he's going to be at Syracuse for his as his last job. Um, so just something that I've been thinking about. Be interesting. If anybody has an ideas, you know, leave a comment below. I think it's I think it's something that Syracuse is trying to get better at. Would be interested to see uh, if there's a better way of doing it than they currently have. You could, you could say the same for Chris Fox, especially after the, the mid 2010 yep. dominance he had with cross country. Yeah, exactly. Kevin is uh, really just a night. <laughs> Two cross-country missions in one podcast. Kevin's really happy right now. <laughs> this is what happens. The, the it's John infected us all with scheduling brain. Kevin's infecting us all with cross-country brain. This is how we get races. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, Kevin, I hope don't ostracize <laughs> the cross-country team. Check. <laughs> uh, you, know what's, uh, you know what we should talk about next? Before we talk about uh, football transfers and football scheduling and guys leaving and whatnot, Home Field Apparel, sponsor of today's podcast, uh, sponsor of most of our podcasts because they're a great partner to us. Um, coziest stuff. If you want to get uh, last minute Christmas gifts and you're looking for something that just says, man, I know you because you like cozy clothing, but I don't know what schools you like because you're not a Syracuse fan and you're somebody else in my life. Uh, get them a home field apparel gift card. It's guaranteed to be in your inbox right right by uh, right by Christmas for whatever Yankee swap or family gift giving gathering you have. Uh, and they can choose out of the many t-shirts, hoodies, joggers, pullovers, whatever they could possibly want home field has. and make sure you use promo code noons and UNES for 10% off your first order at home field apparel. Yeah, don't, uh, don't get them a gift card. Just get them a Rocky the Rock t-shirt like. There's enough good designs of that that anybody Ugh. anybody could appreciate a Rocky t-shirt. I was onboarding a new hire at work, and I was wearing that t-shirt, 
and uh, she just like look, saw me like stretch and looked at it my shirt and said, "Wait, that's an awesome T-shirt. Where did you get it?" <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> oh boy. And uh, I, I I think uh, Mike in the chat has officially reminded us that Connor does owe us a uh, 2022 Syracuse Soccer uh, National Champions T-shirt. He owes so. us a bomber jacket. He does. Oh, 2022. That's the only Syrac- thing I want. I want a home field apparel Syracuse bomber jacket. 2022 National Championships bomber, bomber jacket? Yes. There you oh. go. <laughs> okay, Connor, when you do the Syracuse relaunch, dude, we've got ideas. <laughs> There are there are tens of us. <laughs> <laughs> we're not as annoying as no escalators. <laughs> by, by the way, we're I'm going to continue bringing this up until we get our Palmer jackets. There you go. Those are cool. <laughs> as you should. Again, no escalators has proven cyberbullying works. Yes. <laughs> um, we would never want to stoop cyber- to Yukon <laughs> level, but it apparently works. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Hundred percent. So so basically, we have to Chandler Jones, Mac Jones, him. Yes. Mm. Yes. That put that on a home field t-shirt. <laughs> but uh, swap the Raiders and Patriots logos for Syracuse and Alabama logos. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because everybody will get that. Yeah. Uh, the football talk. Yay. Um, A lot happened. Christian, I'm going to dealer's choice to you first. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean... We're it's really on brand for this podcast to talk about the negatives first. So let's talk about negatives first. That tricks. Yeah, we lost our coordinators. <laughs> oh, we going there uh, first? Okay. Well, let's start there, I guess. No, wait, did we cover well, that? We covered that last yeah. week. This is what happens when Andy is gone for a while. Mm. <laughs> My bad. So, yeah, so, we, oh, so we get to talk about the really sad thing that happened this week? <laughs> yeah. Because we lost our coordinators, two other guys left. Yeah. Well, more and, than two, but two very impactful ones left. Yeah. So th- those two guys happen to be Deuce Chestnut and Jihad Carter. Both of them entered the transfer portal, um, which is the things we weren't expecting. The things we were expecting were Garrick Williams and Sean Tucker to declare for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Those, that, those two weren't surprising. Right. If you weren't living under a rock, those two were happening. Yes. Uh, but Deuce Chestnut and Jihad Carter uh, entering the transfer portal were definitely the shocking ones that happened this week because Ooh. both of them have been were really good this season all honorable mention all acc teams yep. uh they've started in every season that they've been at syracuse carter had a breakout season deuce was a all freshman player last year and it's sad to see them go because they because both of them would have been for sure since they were starters already they would have been focal points more so than this year on the defense and uh it it's it's in it now turns defensive back in terms of you know a place where you have good depth to where you you kind of need to back it up a bit yeah it does um the uh in the one b of surprising things uh jeremiah wilson entered the transfer (laughs) and then transferred back to syracuse Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wilson pulled the John Bull truck. Yes. Yep. Um, so hopefully he makes the same jump John Bull did because he doesn't look bad out there. And I will take <laughs> How did that happen? Right. Like, I'm I'm all for it, especially with Deuce leaving. And it see, the timing seemed like he announced that he was leaving, 
and then Deuce announced he was leaving. He's like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm not leaving. I'm fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But Wilson's back. Uh, Chad Schuster, offensive tackle uh, freshman this year, um, I believe from Wisconsin, if my O-line brain is serving me correctly, is uh, entered the transfer portal as well. So we're down down four new bodies this year um, and that, or this week compared to uh, that that compounds with Steve Linton, um, Tyler Magnuson as well, another freshman offensive tackle. Um, and then Andy's favorite uh, eerie product, Josh Huff. So there's a, there's a good number of good number of guys in the portal. Yeah. And I think that what we're seeing too, is that the, for those that might not be paying attention to social media, this is the week of official visits on campus. Um, Syracuse is getting busy with having a lot of guys on campus, a lot of whom are committing. Um, just today, it seemed like there was, you know, two more com- transfer commits or, yeah. or flips coming in. So it's definitely, again, we talked about it kind of at the beginning of the show. This is the new reality of, of college sports. You're going to, you have to do a lot of roster assembly and rebuilding and retooling on the fly via the portal and still maintain your regular recruitment. Um, so it's, there's going to be a lot of news going forward. I think, um, I honestly don't remember if this was this week or last week. Was this the week that we got the Nebraska corner? That was this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got a, Man, I'm sc- I'm literally scrolling through our football chat, and it's just uh, tweet Jay- after tweet after tweet. Uh, yeah, it's Jaden Gold. Yes, or Gould. Kind of used, pronounced yeah. the U. So, yeah, he was a uh, former New Jersey uh, high school football player of the year. Is coming in. I think that's like a really good get to have um, somebody who not just like high quality, but from a recruiting state that we would like to continue to move from he's from one of the catholic schools there so there's obviously a connection if syracuse wants to go and recruit anybody who's currently at that school we saw success there what, getting like, used, the, like the used other like yeah, the other quarterback what, what, ha- what happened there? is well, that he brought his teammate his high school teammate with him yeah former notre dame yeah. player uh Jaden bellamy so yes, exactly we got two bergen catholic kids um which uh, Christian uh, Christian understands Bergen Catholic in the New Jersey hierarchy of football. Um, they're usually pretty solid at producing people and talent mm-hmm. and things. Um, I played with a couple of kids from Bergen at the uh, Union, so they they produce through the ranks, not just the top end talent. Yeah. Um, the other big, literally other big commitment was um, a defensive lineman from Bayama. Braylon Ingraham, yes. Uh, who, I was trying if to we're going by high school rec- by high school numbers, he'd be Syracuse's highest recruit in this in this cycle. He'd be our third 24. highest recruit ever. Yay! You know that little thing. <laughs> yeah, so, Deuce, yeah, yeah, Deuce coming out of high school was an eighty-eight. This kid was mm-hmm. a ninety-three. So. Jeez. Yeah, and J- and Jalen Gold and Jalen Gould, uh, the Nebraska transfer yep. was a ninety. Ninety-one almost. Of, uh, it was like Catholic. a ninety point eight. So yeah, we'll give him the ninety-one just so we sound better. <laughs> it's uh, and then Lenora Sellers is announcing on Friday, um, expected to be a Syracuse commit there. Um, that would be a nice get as well, uh, just at least honoring the commitment. Yeah. But we also had some other coaching news Honor that took your place contract, this week, Andy. Honor your contract. Oh, well, yeah, well, listen, 
uh, as we have discovered throughout this process, contracts uh, and wh- whether they can or cannot be honored are just all a state of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, which also, I don't know if we saw this. Um, it, Mike Leach passed uh, earlier this week. Yeah. And Zach Arnett, the former Syracuse defensive coordinator for all of three hours, was uh, is is now the interim head coach at Mississippi State. Oh no, he's the uh, no, he, head no, coach. he's the head coach. He got promoted. oh, he's he the head coach. Yeah, yeah, he got promoted to full head coach. He was acting okay. when Leach had his heart attack, and then uh, beyond, he has been officially named. So there we go. Uh, so the kind of crazy to think that that guy was almost on the hill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he but. he was here for maybe a bit. I don't uh, know if he, well, he signed a contract. We do not right. know if <laughs> right. or if not he was on the campus to sign said contract. Right? Did he ever make it up here? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but just just a name to like keep an eye out on. And again, um, it part of the Rocky Long three three five tree, which is really great because we now have Rocky Long as a defensive coordinator. Um, Steve. Uh, since you're the one messaging users in our comment section about the three three five, why don't you talk? <laughs> why don't you talk a little bit about Rocky Long, his scheme, and uh, if we should expect any changes now that Rocky Long's our DC? No, we shouldn't expect any changes. That's it. Let's go. Done. Moving on. Basketball. No, uh, Long Long is of the um, of the the branch of the three three five, you know, not the not the old classic three three five stack. Oh, he's, he's not the branch; he's the effing trunk. Well, yeah, for the there's like a it's like a split bowl, and this is my forestry background coming in to haunt me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he uh, basically the three three five. There's two iterations possible, um, or likely, or that don't completely suck. Uh, one of them now completely sucks. That would be the three three five stack that Rich Rod kind of did at Michigan and Arizona, and is more playing di- with your linebackers directly lined up on your one technique and five techniques, and reading from there. Whereas this three three five that Long kind of pioneered and turned into what Arnett, the aforementioned Arnett, and our former uh, defensive coordinator Tony White did, uh, is a much more malleable. Uh, I I think I described it as a three and a half, two and a half, one, four type. Uh, if you if you need to put numbers on it, it's just kind of like put people where you think people need to be with a three man base, and that's that's about where uh, you know the looks can be variable. The looks can you know show one thing and completely morph into something else very easily. You're working with athletes rather than. Um, big hogs most of the time although as we saw this year it would be nice to have a couple of those large human beings in the trenches um and yeah i mean it's it's good to have the godfather here personally i think it's more of a ploy to kind of uh learn one of our or learn some of our uh staff uh for another give them a give them another year or so to cut their teeth because long is 72 so I don't know, uh, Christian. You you have any thoughts on that end of things as to the longevity of Long? Yeah, it's definitely it definitely seems like the setup for Nick Monroe to eventually take over, uh, kind of uh, position because I think I mean as as it Syracuse clearly loves Monroe not just because of what he's done with the defensive backs uh, over the past couple of years, but also what he's 
done on the recruiting front as well, since he's the most well-known name out there when it comes to pulling in the big recruits. So I think Syracuse wants to do everything in their power to keep him. Um, so to give him the guy who literally made the 335 in order to teach him the 335, given that how much success has shown from that defense, that's probably a really, really good sign. And even if Long isn't around for that long, having him around for a few seasons, and I could see him being around for for more than a couple of seasons, having him along for, you know, even three seasons, I think would be beneficial for Syracuse. Yeah, no, it couldn't hurt. Um, and yeah, Monroe being up until White showed up, it's not like Monroe had been running uh, teaching any sort of three three five system or anything along those lines. He was just a traditional DBs coach. So I yeah, more more time to you know yeah, and he's if I'm right, he's still he's the is he the only holdover of Ohana or uh, Acuff? Acuff is okay. Yep, and the strength staff for some reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that may change this year. Or they get their heads out of their asses. Yeah. So. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Andy. Uh, you, you along with I were on the uh, the initial uh, spread the spread the gospel of three three five. Like, what do you? No, what do you? No, thinking? Monroe is the only holdover. It's uh it's Acuff. Acuff isn't. It's it's just Monroe. Oh, Acuff wasn't. Huh. Yeah. Acuff I, joined in uh, two thousand. I learned something today. Yeah. The uh, in general, I like. I I, th- I went through a little bit of a doom and gloom uh, moment when uh, both coordinators left, but I I've I've just come to realize and like come not realize, but I've come to a point of acceptance that like where Syracuse is at right now is just part of be- not being part of the top of college football. I think that over the next couple of years, we're going to start to see the landscape fundamentally shift with the expanded playoff. I think there's going to be a lot of people who think that it means that Syracuse has a better chance of getting into the playoff. I personally think it's going, yeah, Steve's face is my result. I think that it's personally a going to just widen the gap between Syracuse and everybody else. Um, because a school like Nebraska with Matt rule, who's flipping the number one recruit in college football over to Nebraska. Now that they have a functional head coach and bags and bags of money that come from it are just going to continue to solidify um, those conferences that have money and the conferences that don't have money. And unfortunately, Syracuse is in one of the ones that doesn't. And as a program, we don't have the money to compete. So I think we're going to see consistently guys that are really good at their jobs uh, get the opportunity to go somewhere else and get paid a lot more money to do it and have an opportunity to advance their careers in ways that they just can't at Syracuse. I don't think that's a bad thing. I had somebody, somebody had talked to me about it. They're like, we just basically have to become clump rouge now. Like anybody that's good, they're going to be here for 12 to 24 months. And you just have to accept that and have the next guy ready, ready to get lined up, which means that the head coach, the athletic administration, like there needs to be a really clear process in place. And there needs to be a really clear culture in place. And I think that that's like the step for Syracuse right now is to find those things, build those things out so you can start making sure that you don't get swallowed up uh, in the in the future here. Yeah, I would say we're probably at this point closer to like a Bayer Leverkusen. 
you know, uh, Bruges, Bruges may be like the Mac, but yeah, you know, uh, mid table Bundesliga always producing good talent, you know, Roma in Italy, same concept. So Sean Tucker is Hyungman's son. Yes. hundred percent. Or like Dorgan Hazard or, you know, there's, yeah, there's some options. Fabian Jensen, yeah. for anyone who uh, wanted to watch the 2014 uh, U.S. Men's World Cup run. So, yeah, now that we've yeah. officially imbued the entire pod with soccer talk. Uh, do we uh, want to talk about the good things that came? Or No, we did talk about the good things that came in for for football. I forgot the, the mention yeah. of the recruits. Uh, we did get a couple other people today, but I don't think any of us have done any sort of research on them. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We well, the reason, the reason why so many people came in today is because today was the last uh, day of official visits uh, before there's a dead period until January 4th. Mm-hmm. So Dead periods. They always make sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this one makes sense. I mean, mm. do you really want to, like, task your staff to host recruits during the holidays? <laughs> no. Uh, Point. No. No, you just force the basketball players to play basketball games. Yeah. Yes. The uh, Speaking of the basketball team, they won another game. Uh, they beat Cornell this week. Um, the, 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 is the ship righted, or are no. we just beating some bad teams? <laughs> yeah. See, Christian, you jumped, you jumped on that real quick. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Um. The answer is to ship righted no. Are we beating bad teams? Yes and no. Uh, because Notre Dame and Cornell, who actually, you know, aren't, aren't that bad, at least in my eyes. Right. Uh, Georgetown and Monmouth are are, are bad. Uh, which should make the Monmouth uh, performance a little bit worrying because that was way too close for than what it should have been. Mm-hmm. It was close enough that I didn't even bother turning it on after the title. Oh, game. I didn't watch it. No, I was just like, no, I'm not. I'm not taking this high down. <laughs> yeah, all you needed to do was see the box score and see like, oh, that that was much worse than it should have been. Yep. And also seeing the t- the tweets from the people who were paid to cover that game, mm. um, to say, yeah, you you know it wasn't a gr- you know it wasn't a great game. Where at halftime, instead of Mike Waters, you know, like trying to diligently write his article and do stuff like that, he was getting the uh, crowd reaction footage for the uh, for the penalty shootout, which in itself was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was very cool. That was a very cool moment. Uh, but to really answer the question, uh, the Syracuse team is not going to be good in ACC play because there's a very clear weakness. It's shoot over the zone, um, and even though Notre Dame showed like. Yes, if you shoot, try to shoot over the zone too many times, you'll fall into trouble. Um, it, every other team has shown, like, you just break it down with passing. And the rotation isn't good enough. And if once you get out to an early lead, Syracuse loses its head, and too many players try to play hero ball. And that's when the turnovers start. And the bad shot selection starts. Right. Apparently, Gerard had an actual decent game last time out. but um... Yeah, mm-hmm. Blind squirrel nut. That that was that was mainly due to the fact that would that was mainly due to the fact he was facing a lesser competition mm-hmm. and could actually uh, put the ball on the floor and create some shots. Uh, but we've seen what happens when he puts the ball on the floor against uh, strong defenders. Not uh, great, Bob. Not great. It's not great. No. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a weird weird season this year. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, uh, for the record, uh, I think we need. I, I wish I had a soundboard for this with like warning klaxons. Uh, Chris Bell did rebound the basketball numerous yeah. times, so that's a plus. You know, baby steps. Um, but yeah, it's a. Really... It, it took it took the second half to get that going, but. <laughs> Hey, I'm not gonna look at gift horse in the mouth here. I think <laughs> I think he actually he significantly beat his prior total in the entire year, right? In that half, no, no, he had five last night, and I don't believe he had five total on the year. Let's look that up. And this is a forward for the, the you know for the, for those keeping track at home. Um, yes, he had five. That is a season high. His previous season high has been three, which has been done two other times. Oh, so he didn't he didn't match his total. Damn. No. So. No, his total coming into the game was twelve. So he almost. So he could have fifty percent of his. <laughs> right. he, he almost reached fifty percent of his total of the season. Right. Yeah. Um. At this point, past power forwards have eclipsed his total in single games. Jesse Edwards, can uh, Jesse oh, Edwards yeah, yeah, yeah. still has a assists, uh, season total. Jesse Edwards probably has more assists than he has rebounds. Oh, I want to look that up. Oh my gosh. We're down this is a rabbit the, hole. This is this is our uh oh, Jesse our basketball Edwards. team is busted second. Yeah. No, Jesse Edwards only has fourteen assists with Bell's seventeen rebounds. Only. Damn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so close. This is this this is the good one. Uh, uh Bell has seventeen rebounds. How many assists does John Bolchok have? Eighteen. He has sixteen. Oh so close. <laughs> So, yeah, as you can imagine, if we're at this point, the basketball team is in a weird spot this year. Um, mm-hmm. Dare I say I still, even in the stupidity, may enjoy watching them more than I did last year? Uh, oh. I Again, I've watched probably 50% of the games at this point, just from life things. But, uh, you know, I haven't hated I think it's them. mainly because you're an old school guy who likes, you know, mid 80s 90s basketball in terms of you know inside play and and we because that's what this team is it's pound the ball inside because the only three-point shooter on this team is joe gerard and i'm not old enough to like 80s please i was born in the 80s sorry (laughs) um but like because that's what this team is it's a 90s 2000s team that is you know work the ball inside maybe makes into three where last year's team was you know more so the modern day basketball of, you know, spread out the floor and take advantage of the three pointer. This year, the yeah. team, this, this team doesn't have uh, the same type of forwards who can provide the interior presence that Jim Beheim needs on both sides of the floor in order to spread out the floor. Because that's where Chris Bell and Justin Tater would be more effective right. uh, if they could supplement more rebounding and more interior presence with uh with their three-point shooting yeah hmm so i guess at this point heading into oh no we're we're gonna try and try and get a pot out for you next week one way or another um let's let's before we get on to uh, other topics Let's let's play uh, rebound totals. Jesse Edwards has 136 rebounds on this season. Who's got the second closest 
And how many does he have? Uh, Buddy Bayheim. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. I does it have to be Benny? It does have to be Benny, but how many rebounds does he have? Threeve? <laughs> Threeve? <laughs> uh let's go with what what was Edward's total? 136. Let's go with 73. Nope, 56. Fool! <laughs> Well, let's put that, let's put that uh, in average anyone, per game total. So anyone Edwards, listening, Andy Edwards totally is, just spit took that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> put that in average per game total. Edwards is at 11.3 rebounds per game. Benny's at a cool 4.7. Okay. This is what and you the like. Next closest, and the next closest is none of the other starters. The next closest is Malik Brown at 31. Wow. Wow. And Malik Brown... Pain. And Malik Brown has played a hundred less minutes than Chris Bell. And is averaging two rebounds per game more than Chris Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things need to get corrected, and the question will be whether they do or not. Hmm? Because that's why that's why at least Syracuse could justify keeping Jimmy Bayham Cole Swider on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, maybe their defensive rotations weren't always that great. But they rebounded the ball. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and, you know, Syracuse has Pitt coming up uh, on Tuesday. So see how that goes. And then the team is off for basically two weeks until December 31st. So uh, you won't have to watch Syracuse basketball a whole lot over your break. Um, you'll, it's going to be. And then then the, the ACC-ness of the schedule starts. Um, well, after well, the PC December on... thirty, yeah, the December thirty first and January third game should be easy wins. But after that, <laughs> hi Virginia. Is is Virginia <laughs> doing the thing where we just both punch at each other and not actually Virg- score points? Or Virginia's the game where the nation tunes in and realizes, wait a minute, Joe Girard and Kihei Clark are still playing college basketball. What the hell is going on? That's known as the Carl Krauser effect. Yeah. Because I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, t- like, on Tuesday, he may still show up on the court somehow. I don't know how, but there's a chance. Now, Here for it. Now, this this is also non-Jamie Dixon pit, so there's a remote chance that Syracuse sucks slightly less. Mm-hmm. True. BC. So, gentlemen, Bill. after we've talked men's basketball, we've talked some football, we talked some soccer. Wait, hold on. They, we... they still, we're traveling to Louisville? Yeah. They, they let people play basketball there still? Somehow. Okay. Yeah. It's it's either that, I thought that and Tallahassee were like burned off the map of the ACC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Huh. No. You would think. We're going to lose one of those games. Oh, we're, oh 100%. We're, we're, yeah. we're also traveling to Tallahassee, by the way. Oh, you, we're definitely winning, losing one of those games. Then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, heard before it here before first, we folks. wrap up the podcast, uh, we should uh, take some time to uh, remember one of the Syracuse basketball legends um, who unfortunately passed away this past week as uh, Louis Ores unfortunately passed away. Yeah, uh, Syracuse legend, uh, uh, I believe 61 years old. He uh, was 64. 64 years old. Yep. Knew he was in his 60s. Uh, really, really sad, really tragic. One of 
the best players in Syracuse basketball history. Um, Louis and Bowie show. Uh, if you watched any bit of the ESPN 30 for 30 or have read any of Jim Beheim's memoir or Syracuse basketball history books, um, truly one of the guys that built this program um, in terms of establishing Syracuse as a place to go uh, if you are a good basketball player. Um, so uh, just just a tremendous loss, uh, you know, thoughts and thoughts and prayers to his family. And uh, it's sad to see a literal legend from from Syracuse, you know, go go too soon. So yeah. it is, uh, it is yeah. worth um, also if you have the time, it is worth looking up uh, Jim's presser from the other day. Um, or was mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, that he actually, you know, he answered some some normal questions and then was like, listen, I'm going to talk about, uh, or, and he gave a, a, a great recap of, you know, their history, the shared history, the fact that, you know, he was effectively his first recruit or in his first recruiting class. And the program was built on the back of that class. So it's a, it's a very poignant, um, speech from coach and, um, well worth checking out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed there. Um, I think that is a appropriate note to end this week's show on. Thank you to everybody who came out um, and listened to us on the on the Twitch live. We really appreciate it. Thank you if you're listening to this on your podcast player of choice. Make sure you like and subscribe to help us trick the Ottoman Empire or help us trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. Um, as always, if you're watching, listening, doing this on newswagician.com, we really do appreciate the support. Uh, keep checking in with us this week for basketball news. I'm sure 10 more recruits are going to commit to Syracuse. Another 10 might hit the portal. So we'll keep everybody up to date on all these things uh, all week long. And as always, go Orange and go national championship winning Syracuse Orange men's soccer. Go Orange. <laughs>